Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Cricket Hell Weekly Vodcast. We're here at the Kent County Cricket Ground in Canterbury in front of a, a beautiful sign showing the Kent double winners this year, having won the London Championship and the T20 Cup for this part of the country. Um, and we're looking forward to uh, the final ODI between England and New Zealand today. But before that, we've got lots to talk about here. Um, starting with, well, last week we talked about the England tour to Pakistan and whether or not that would go ahead. Um, we now have an announcement on that. Raf, what's the story? Uh, well, the ECB met as a board on Sunday um, and then I think made the announcement on uh, Monday evening um, that uh, neither the men's nor the women's teams will be touring Pakistan. Um, they initially tried to say that it had been a kind of player-led decision um, and uh, that's, that's quite interesting because um, it was then slightly contradicted by something that Heather Knight said in the press conference um, after the England v New Zealand match the following day. And actually I feel like to some extent the ECB have dropped Heather in it a little bit this week. Um, there hasn't been any senior ECB officials out there doing press conferences. Um, they've just kind of dropped this announcement that the tours are cancelled um, into the kind of public view um, and just sort of let it rest. Um, but obviously the England women still have this series going on so that's meant that Heather Knights had to kind of front up on a couple of occasions um, about uh, you know her comment on the tour, um, and and she has basically said um, actually that that's that what um, was implied in the press release that it was a player-led decision is wrong. Um, that sh that she wasn't personally consulted, that her team were not consulted. Um, now she didn't, she wasn't criticising that. She was just stating what she felt was the truth. She was just basically saying, well, um, you know. The people above us made that decision. They're the ones with the security information. They're the ones with the, the requisite knowledge to make that call, basically. Um, but yeah, it did certainly um, suggest that uh, what had initially been said um, wasn't totally correct. Uh, and the ECB have now slightly backtracked and said, yes, well, of course, we didn't really mean that. Of course, um, what we actually meant was um, that uh, we've made the decision on behalf of the players for their welfare and for their own good. Um, and there was an interesting report on Crick Info that suggested that um, the board had anticipated that some players would pull out and were especially concerned about their ability to select a women's squad of sufficient quality. I'm not quite sure where that's come from because my understanding of the situation is that yes, the England women's players are a bit exhausted, um, but they don't have the kind of power or the authority to reject their cricket board um, or their employers say so. if. The ECB said to them, you're going to Pakistan, then they'd be going. Um, unlike the men, they can't pick and choose which tours that they go on. They don't have that power. Um, so I, think, I don't quite know where that's come from. Um, but yeah, interesting speculation there. Um, one thing that might be interesting to think about, though, is to what extent this might affect um, the future tours programme for the women's SID, which is obviously dictated um, now around the ICC Women's Championship, which is the qualifying path for the, for the World Cup. So what do you think about that? Well, there's some, certainly some interesting questions um, going to be asked there. Um, England in this schedule are, are not due to visit Pakistan uh, and of course didn't visit Pakistan technically last time because they played their match in Kuala Lumpur or their matches in Kuala Lumpur. Um, but the Pakistan board have said following this incident that they will not be playing. Well, what they actually said was they will not be playing matches in Dubai anymore. So that, I suppose, gives them a small get out. They could still play them somewhere like Kuala Lumpur. But what the Pakistan board are certainly implying there, I think, is that they are expecting the international teams now to come to Pakistan. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, we had um, the 
uh, one of the senior British ambassadors, um, you know, from Pakistan, saying that, that he felt personally that there was no reason why this tour shouldn't have gone ahead. So that will give more ammunition to the Pakistan cricket board. So the really interesting question is now: What happens? You know, do those teams feel compelled to visit Pakistan? Do they forfeit those matches? Do they lose the points from those matches? Are those the points going to be shared? Because different things have happened, haven't they, Raf, in the past? Yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously the ongoing controversy has been um, between the India and, and Pakistan teams um, because there's obviously this kind of um, government reluctance um, to allow um, Indian teams um, to play Pakistan teams um, for political reasons. Um, now, in the first iteration of the Women's Championship um, in 2016, um, when, it, when it all wrapped up, um, the, the points were awarded to Pakistan um, and there was a, a hoo-ha about that. Um, then in the most recent iteration, the ICC announced that they were going to split the points between the two countries and they kind of covered it up by saying, oh, lots of tours have been cancelled because of COVID while ignoring the elephant in the room that, that had, this had nothing to do with that particular one. Um, and I tweeted at the time saying I thought that that was outrageous and makes a mockery of the whole process. But you do now think that um, the ECB pulling out of this tour to Pakistan is going to give the BCCI kind of added impetus um, for them not sending their women's team to Pakistan or hosting Pakistan there um, and you know kind of give them extra power in that um, and uh, so I think it's it's quite worrying overall for, for Pakistani women's cricket really. Now the cancellation of the tour to Pakistan does mean that in theory the England contracted players would be available now to go and play in WBBL. Um, our understanding is that uh, most, mostly that is unlikely to happen because they're all a bit knackered at the back end of the season. Um, on the other hand that does open the way to um, some of the um, non-England contracted players um, to go to Pakistan and we've had a couple of um, to go to WBBL and we've had a couple of exciting announcements this week haven't we Sid? Um, so Maya Boucher and Eve Jones are both going to be appearing for the first time ever in WBBL. Yeah, great news for both those players, isn't it? Um, and two quite interesting selections. They're players that the two players that are at either end of their career really. Maya's just starting off on her career. I mean, she's not, you know, she's not 14, but she's just really starting off her professional career. She was one of the new professionals. She's just made her England debut, um, and she'll be looking to kind of, you know, build a bit of a reputation. And she'll be coming in, I hope, with with kind of not too much pressure going into the the WBBL. Um, and she's got a real opportunity to, you know, kind of present herself as you know the, the new Maya Boucher the, the sort of T20 cricketer the powerful hitter um, and that's um, some a great opportunity for her I think uh, Eve Jones at the opposite end of her career she's obviously you know realistically coming towards the end of her career she's nearly 30 if, if not 30 um, but you know she'll be looking at other options of course post career so there's, there's opportunities for her to act as a sort of mentor and as a senior player and to show perhaps her credentials for moving forward maybe into some sort of coaching and management role after her career so two different players two different opportunities but it'll be brilliant to see them both turning out uh, in WBBL and I can't wait to be turning on my stream at four in the morning to watch them <laughs> um, so yeah WBBL now um, uh, talking of Australia there's been a fantastic series going on between Australia and India. Uh, we were listening to the third ODI in the radio when we were um, coming down to Canterbury this morning, um, and it, it, it was just a very, no, very exciting finish. And we had two exciting finishes really now, haven't we? Uh, the first game went to uh, Australia reasonably easily, and we thought, oh, okay, we know what's going to happen here. Australia are going to win all these matches. It's going, um, but the second game didn't quite turn out like that either, did it? Because there was some excitement about a no ball, or was it, Raf? Yeah, um, so uh, it was Julian Goswami, wasn't it, bowling to Nicola Carey. Um, it was meant to be the last ball of the match. Um, it came at her and it was a 
approximately waist height, round about there. It was certainly a narrow call. Um, she she hit it. Um, she was caught, um, and uh, we thought that India had won. Um, and then they went to the third umpire, and they ruled that it was a no ball. Um, definitely a close call and then of course um, Goswami had to bowl another ball um, and Australia hit the winning runs in the end um, so yeah it was, it, was, it, was, it was a bit of an anti-climax a um, bit of a disappointment um, if you were kind of on any team in the world that's not Australia I suppose um, because people are really gunning for them for their winning streak to end um, sorry, guys, sorry guys but it's true we're bored of Australia winning ODIs um, anyway, uh, from my perspective, I did tweet this afterwards, I don't think it was a no ball, um, I think that it was a very marginal decision and that uh, Nicola Carey was first of all out of her crease and was secondly crouched down um, and that gave the illusion that it had um, come at her above waist height but I personally don't think it was. However, I did also say that um, it's not my decision to make um, and uh, you know we just have to kind of trust the integrity of the umpires who made that decision. Um, so I don't think there's any point in harking on about it now and there's especially no point in harking on about it now because Australia's winning streak has officially now been broken by India um, and I can't say that I'm too disappointed. Um, are you disappointed Sid? Um, well I, I mean I think that the Australia's you know it what we need is teams to be challenging Australia really um, and so I think that overall it's good news that India women are doing that. I think it's, it's fascinating from a sort of cricketing perspective that um, India women um, perhaps now, have come into this series against Australia off their performance against England. We probably thought that it would be quite an easy series for Australia, and in fact, they've been very, very more competitive against Australia than they did against England, which is interesting. But that's the way matchup works in cricket. You know, sometimes you'll you'll look good against one side and not so good against another side because you know you've got different matchups and different qualities there. So, and talking of matchups of 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 a sort, only in the international arena, we've uh, of course got the uh, final. Gosh, I'm so tired, I can remember that it's the fourth or the final or the fifth. The final ODI between England and New Zealand taking place uh, later today. Uh, and we had a very exciting game in the fourth ODI, didn't we? Um, where England, um, you know, kind of picked themselves up after defeat in the third match and sealed the series thanks to Heather Knightraff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been really, it's been really exciting series. I will say it's not done my stress levels and my tiredness levels much good because all of these matches have been going down to the wire. As you say, the fourth one did as well. Um, I think one of the interesting things is that um, Heather Knight, despite having played um, a very kind of calm innings, um, a very kind of Heather Knight-esque innings, if I may say so, um, actually then got out in the 49th over, um, and we did think, oh gosh, is this going to be, uh, is this going to be upending um, what looks to be the likely result? But of course, England did get over the line. Thank to Anja Shropso and a, and a Lee Kasprit wide in the end. Um, so well done England. Um, but obviously Heather Knight was absolutely gutted to have got out when she did and she said she came off and she was kind of pouring expletives everywhere. Um, I just think that it speaks to kind of an ongoing theme of this series really which is that a lot of the England top and middle order just look absolutely shot. They're so tired. I mean we're tired, they're tired. Um, it's been a very long season. Um, and there was a really interesting comment on one of your pieces said on Cricket Her by um, James P. Um, who basically um, kind of recognised that tiredness and says that he think that he thinks that perhaps next season the ECB need to have a think about seriously um, having some breaks for the England players. And I think that that's a good point. I think sometimes in the men's game people forget this because the, all of the England women played in every single match of the hundreds. It was a very very intense few weeks. Um, incredible levels of scrutiny. 
and just you know match following match following match um, they didn't have any break in the way that the England men's players did you know they only really played a handful of matches in that if any so I wonder whether going forward um, the ECB will really need to think about that especially given that we've got the Commonwealth Games next year can they actually fit everything in they need to um, be thinking about these players and obviously you made the point that if you haven't grown up professional then that's actually t a tougher ask to suddenly be asked to, to do all this cricket um, so yeah but overall um, it's been a, a fun kind of exciting series um, and, and talking of dramatic finishes in matches Sid um, we have come from um, where were we yesterday we were Northampton Northampton thanks I've forgotten I've forgotten where we were are going to be anyway we were in Northampton yesterday for the most exciting of finishes there now as a Vipers fan said you probably would would have preferred it to be a little bit less close than that wouldn't you um, you actually found yesterday's final so stressful that I looked up from writing my match report and found that you'd left the press box and gone to sit in the crowd for the final few overs. How was that for you, Sid? Oh, it was great. I went to sit down with uh, the Southern Vipers Massive. The, there's, a, there's a small but significant group of fans that have followed them around everywhere since the KSL days. Um, and, you know, I went to sit down with them and enjoy, well... <laughs> I'm not sure that we necessarily enjoyed uh, the, f the first little bit of the end because it was very, very nail-biting. Uh, but by the last over, it was pretty clear that um, the Vipers were going to take the win. And so, you know, we enjoyed that and we all got up and cheered at the end. And as a Vipers fan, that was wonderful. Uh, as a Yorkshire person, you're, you're obviously going to be very disappointed. And I noted on Twitter that Yorkshire have now lost the, the List A competition, whatever that is, and come runners-up for the last five consecutive years. So the final three county championships and the first two RHFs uh, Diamond Stroke Yorkshire have come second every single time and it's becoming a bit of a habit uh, but you know the, the Vipers were absolutely determined that they were going to win and we spoke to Tara Norris afterwards and she was just like you know I, I've had three final days this year I've lost two of them it hurt like hell I was damned if I was going to lose this one um, she said it in a slightly <laughs> slightly different way to that but that was pretty much what she what she was saying um, you know she kind of stuck like a rock out there and she was brilliant and Emily Windsor who just was just like looked at absolutely exhausted I mean even, even before the the final balls were bowled it looked like Tara Norris was kind of having to haul Emily Windsor up off the carpet between overs because she was knackered she put everything into it she faced nearly a hundred balls um, she only made only I mean she, she made like 47 runs I think uh, but it was still an absolutely mammoth innings and Charlotte Edwards we spoke to her afterwards as well and she said you know oh you know Emily Windsor is probably going to come off wearing about her strike rate but her strike rate doesn't matter the point was thing was she stayed there uh, and they got over the line and won that game so great for the Vipers and I'm really sorry for Yorkshire you know it's really starting to feel like always the bridesmaid um, you know but I, I feel confident that one day Yorkshire will be the bride so you know you'll get there guys yeah absolutely um, and that's the that's the sad thing sometimes about these tight finishes is that one side always has to lose unless it's Australia and then we don't really mind <laughs> And finally this week, um, we've had a quite a big, um, in some ways, big announcement from the MCC this week. It certainly generated its share of controversy, and that is that they are updating the laws um, to reflect um, the new kind of gender-neutral realities of cricket, um, and they are going to change all references to batsmen to being to batter. Um, now, there's been quite a lot of talk about this, quite a lot of chat, quite a lot of disquiet. It's caused a bit of a stir amongst old white men who think they rule the world. Now, over to an old white man for his view, Sid. I thought you had another old white man there for a minute. Um, 
Okay, so my perspective, well, it's, it's actually quite an odd one because in some ways I'm on the side of the old white men in that I did not have really a problem with batsmen. Um, so you wrote a piece for the site uh, three or four years ago now saying you didn't have a problem with batsmen either. Batsmen had always been used by the Women's Cricket Association. Um, so, you know, it was part of their their original vision was that they should be the, the equal of men and therefore they were batsmen as well. Um, and, you know, I kind of took on board that perspective when I first, you know, started paying attention to the women's game in the 1970s. Yes, I'm afraid I was alive in the 1970s. 70s um, then you know batsman was the, the thing that was no one would have dreamed of saying batter then uh, you know and that's kind of mostly carried on um, but it has to be said that you know we were getting to be kind of ploughing a lonely furrow there as supporters of the women's game that were still using batsmen um, and we don't in fact in practice we'd increasingly dropped it in our copy as well you dropped it in the Guardian because every time you use batsmen the copy editor changed it to batter I pretty much changed it on Cricket Her as well so you know I think that we accepted that that was kind of that was a, a thing that we'd lost and that you know we were, we were happy to go with batter going forwards weren't we Raf? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I thought that, I mean, from my perspective, it's always been um, a case of kind of listening to the players and it being a player-led thing. Um, I thought it was really interesting that um, after one of the England-New Zealand matches when Catherine Brunt was in the press conference, um, she actually referred to herself as a batsman. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if that's going to get copy edited out, despite the fact that it's in direct quote marks. Didn't actually see whether anyone had picked up the quote in their copy in the end. Um, but, you know, that's how she refers to herself. That's how players of her generation did refer to themselves. Um, and so from my perspective, it was always a bit like, well, who am I or who are we as kind of, you know, people looking on from the edge of the pitch to try and say to you, sorry, you can't call yourself that anymore. Um, you know, you have to refer to yourself as this. Well, it's not, that's not my job. And it, it just felt all a little bit like kind of holier than thou. Um, however, I accept that um, there's been a little bit of a generational shift now um, and that there are plenty of club players and probably some of the younger England players who now feel a little bit uncomfortable about using the term batsman and, and don't really feel that that describes them appropriately. Um, so if they want us to call them batters, then that's fine. Again, it's, it's about it being player-led and, and driven by the people who are actually at the heart of the game, really. Um, I think that um, my other slight issue with um, all of the conversation around this this week has been that it does feel a little bit like it's the MCC just kind of belatedly recognising a little bit of a status quo. Um, as you've kind of described it, lots of people are already using batter and the MCC now seem to kind of slightly be using this as an opportunity to wave their hands in the air and go, oh, look at us, we're so great, um, we're recognising this um, and aren't we wonderful and, um, you know, all of these equality and diversity and inclusion points for us. When actually, um, if you look at things that the MCC could be doing um, that would actually make a real difference to the lives of female cricketers, this isn't really one of them. There's plenty of other things that I'd much rather see them doing, you know, maybe let us use your ground. Um, there was a brilliant tweet as well that I think summed it up, which basically just said, um, oh, won't the women cricketers in Afghanistan be so pleased now that they can refer to themselves as batters instead of batsmen? Um, you know, it's a bit facetious, but basically it's getting at the heart of the, the, the issue, which is that, um, you know, it's about material realities of these women's lives um, rather than just um, a, a kind of uh, a slightly um, kind of after the fact recognition of the fact that we can now call them batters instead of batsmen. Um, so if anyone from the MCC is watching this, then perhaps you could, um, you know, do something a bit more meaningful. I feel like we've ended on a little bit of a negative note there. Let's be really happy about the fact that the season's ending and we can go home tonight and get a decent night's sleep, Sid, and not have to be travelling several hundred miles um, tonight and then getting up early tomorrow to do exactly the same thing all over again. Um, that's all for this week. Bye for now. <laughs>